Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. What's going on? Hmm, I got a kitten. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to jump straight to the big news in my life. Yeah. What, 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 what happened? How did you come to that choice? Well, Kristen's always wanted a cat. Uh, she says, going on eight years, I've said, I don't, you know, I've made excuses for why we can't have one. One of the big ones being I'm allergic. But she's found a way to, like, slowly over the years erode each excuse with, you know, tiny little My bits of strategy. My wife is doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you want? You also want a cat? No, she wants a puppy, but uh, uh, I always say, a... well, we can't travel then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you could just get a sitter. <laughs> sure, yeah. Or maybe get a second apartment and a staff. Yeah, why not? <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, it is has been kind of fun, but I, ha- I say it right off the bat because I don't know if at any point in this podcast there is a, a, a loud sound or maybe just you know the sound of clicking keys across a click keyboard. It, That's because what the cats cat do. Yeah, like, yeah. They, already, they especially it's walk on your work. keyboard if you have an important document. That's the yeah, key exactly. instinct. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I thought that was just a, a like a an old wives' tale or a myth or something. But um, the cat has walked across my keyboard like every time I've sat down to work at least a dozen times. <laughs> it's uh, they know. And now, yeah, they know. yeah, yeah. She unplugs the HDMI cables from the back of my TV. Yeah, <laughs> it was the like, same. My my uncle had uh, two uh, small sons, twins. And they always wanted to play with his gadgets, with his remotes and his phones and uh, all that stuff. So he went to a used uh, crap store and got a bunch of old electronics. And they knew mm-hmm. which ones were the important ones. So they, they ignored the, <laughs> the used fake electronics and just always went straight for the vitals. Oh, that's a good idea. So I should get a, a bunch of fake technology. For, I think it's um, just where you're putting your attention. It's not whatever the thing is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, like so, if you were really into donuts, they would go for the donuts. Mm-hmm. So maybe I also need like a body double. <laughs> it's like pretending. Yeah, like maybe I, I'm telling I, you, just get a second apartment <laughs> and a body double. Yeah. Well, I will say I did want to include this cat in um, future sort of videos and. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm an artist working on the internet, so I do like Something's eventually. Yeah, I see the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and has it been fun? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's it, it's quite a lot of fun. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty adorable uh, to have around, and uh, and the allergy thing has been mostly mitigated by the fact that the the cat has it's like such a geeky thing to have an allergy. I, well, I think it's like everyone has some kind of allergy. Yeah, but right? but your persona, like the, with the white turtleneck, you <laughs> imagine someone growing up in a, a sterile environment and like coming down to earth. And be like, <laughs> what are these microbes? <laughs> But <laughs> I do really want to dress the uh, kitten in a turtleneck before he's still a kitten. <laughs> That's a good idea. And do some portraits. Yeah. Um, but I looked online, and it's mostly just turtleneck sweaters. So if anyone's out there and they think they can like create cotton apparel uh, of the turtleneck variety for cats or kittens, uh, I'd be interested to hear. I have money to pay. Um, I do think <laughs> Canadian dollars. <laughs> Yeah, time is fading. Canadian dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, what's up with you? Um, life as usual. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a little bit of travel coming up uh, soon, but for now, yeah, just I'm, I'm, but mostly making new websites. So the the process of making new websites is sitting at home, trying not to go on YouTube, and waiting for <laughs> ideas. That's what my day looks like. Wait, so what is your process for making new websites? Though? Well, it, it, 
it's interesting with the topic of this week. So the topic of this week is entertainment. Mm. And to me, entertainment uh, is very counterproductive. So I'm, I'm behind the computer all day and it's very tempting to look at entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we all know this feeling. We call it procrastination. Mm-hmm. Distractions. Yeah. And sometimes looking at cartoons helps me to find ideas. But most of the time, when I'm entertained, my creativity is blocked. You're not mm. thinking about making new stuff. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is funny. I want to watch another one. You're never inspired by what you're watching? A little bit with, with cartoons specifically because it's animation. Mm-hmm. But it, it, let's say I, I like stand-up comedy, so I'll watch bits of stand-up comedy on YouTube or specials on Netflix. I, it, it doesn't help me very much to come up with uh, ideas for compositions. or even, mm-hmm. even the jokes they make, like I... Maybe with haiku a little bit, but I don't know how it is for you. If you if you watch uh, The Walking Dead or whatever, if if that <laughs> helps, not you. The Walking Dead. But it's funny because last weekend, <clears throat> a friend of oh, my assistant, cat uh, was sick, and sh- so I was like, and she was trying to do work for me on something, and I was like, uh, so I was like, no, you're not allowed to work. I'm gonna pay you to watch this movie, and it was like a, a movie that. You know, as a child or, or as a teenager, I really liked this movie called Rushmore by Wes Anderson. It's kind of a, like a cheesy choice, but I was a teenager, right? Um, and I was like, it, you'll understand a lot about the work I make from this, this like movie that I watched when I was 18. And uh, and so I rewatched it as well. And as I was watching it, I was like, oh, like I saw little bits of from my of my character and like different videos I had made in the movie that yeah. I had never really connected that I had riffed off of. And so, like, I guess my argument to you might be, like, you're, you, you're not thinking, mm, but your subconscious is absorbing. What I'm referring to more now, it, I used to think, I tried to think of culture non-hierarchically. It was very against uh, the museum and the gatekeepers and the snobbery. And mm-hmm. I was like, the internet is for everybody and it's open and you can do whatever you want. And, and it, as I get older and the world is changing, I'm kind of rethinking that. So, so you I mean, growing up, I grew up with a sort of snob, culturally snob parents. Mm-hmm. That are like, oh, TV is dumb and books are good and things like that. I don't know if you grew up the same way. Um, and then I was always challenging that. I was like, well, why, are cut- mm-hmm. why are cartoons less than uh, Proust or uh, whatever literature? No, I mean, I sat down and watched The Simpsons with my parents. Yeah. 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 All that being so said... it. it, it now I do see a hierarchy of content, and when you say Rushmore is not the best movie ever, but it is a full movie that you sit for an hour and a half, as opposed to spending <laughs> your time like half on eBay, half on Amazon, half on YouTube, half watching mm-hmm. the Kardashians, and and I would have always my internet art person. I would have always said, "What what's wrong with like just browsing and watching stupid TV?" But now. With the U.S. president, I'm not mm. so sure it's so innocent. So that's maybe part of it. You mean because you're maybe well, he's a reality TV star. So I, oh, I, I'm see, saying it's not so innocent. Like just saying, oh, people should do whatever they want. And we used to say comic books turn people's brain to mush, and then we said mm-hmm. video games turn people's brains to mush. And I just don't have any evidence, but something. Yeah, there's something really creepy about reality TV becoming reality, and yeah. Well, I can, I can mean at the very least, I can assure you that um, just last week, or maybe it was the week before, uh, the sort of like the standards body that decides on what are real addictions or not, 
officially classified social media as um, addictive. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So like cigarettes or alcohol. Yeah. Um, and so therefore, they in the way they classify addiction as something over which you have little control, but that has a negative or adverse effect on your health yeah. Yeah. and well-being. And so... Uh, yeah, maybe that's point, what like, it is. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Because I grew up always watching TV, even uh, as a kid at night, like not getting enough sleep. So in a sense, it was not good for my health. Well, you know what's been really interesting about this kitten? Uh, by the way, Scully is the kitten's name, so I might refer to them as Scully or Skulls. I prefer Skulls, personally. As the, as the X-Files <laughs> reference? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also she has a triangle nose and, and like sort of black circles around her eyes, so she looks like a little skeleton. Mm. But um, so Skulls, what I've noticed about having this kitten around is that um, like whenever I'm on my phone... Skulls is very interested, but in a way, like, why are you paying attention to that and not me? Yeah. Uh, and, but what it's helped me do, even in the short term, it's like a little Apple Watch reminder or something like, why are you on your phone? So yeah, every time yeah, it happens, yeah. I keep asking myself, why am I doing well, this? And it, it's been really interesting. Yeah. And, but not all screen time is equal, also. So, it, mm-hmm. but the, it, I don't remember which comedian, but he was saying, you know what I really love? Like, my greatest joy in life? Watching TV. No. <laughs> and he's like, and but it, it, there's this thing where you're supposed to be a good person and like read philosophy and walk in the mountains and do good work. And instead, mm-hmm. most people are like, oh, I want to order tacos and watch TV. Um, and it, I don't have an argument why there's something wrong with that. But at the same time, for me personally, I, 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 I'm, maybe I'm, I would like to, the question is, maybe I want to distill it. The question is, mm-hmm. have I been taught that reading difficult literature is better or is it actually better? Right. Okay. I think that that's an interesting topic. Um, you know, like one of the, one of the interesting things when I was teaching is I would assign like theory that I really loved, like theoretical reading. And my students would be like, that was so hard. And they'd be miserable uh, with certain types of reading. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I sent you, you know, that, I, I sent you that onion video. You didn't reply to it. of like, a Trump voter who who got persuaded right. by eight hundred page uh, queer feminist theory, <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, and then some people would argue, well, that's like that's not good contemporary writing. Anyone should be able to read good writing. Yeah, in, exactly. In theory. Yeah, like, can't you um, say it in a tweet? Yeah, but like that's where this is, gets interesting because the bar is at a point where potentially it's so low that um, well, the word know, the, low the re- that's the interesting. Like, why is that low? Well, yeah. Okay, so let me define high. For me, like the best writing, the best culture, the best films, the best everything um, is something that I go back to and I find something different each time. And so, if it's too simplistic, if it's too literal in the sense that it's too easy to read, that is to say, there is no nothing outside the nothing abstract about it at all. It's completely didactic, like a text on a wall, like popsicle sticks, glue, white paint. You know, like you mm-hmm. know, made nineteen ninety five. That's not a real piece of art, but anyway. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if, if it's too like didactic. Warhol. Yeah, then if it's too didactic, it's just not, there's nothing there to mine. There's nothing there for me. There's no material. So I, I would classify great culture, great writing, great uh, culture of all kinds as stuff you can mine new ideas from. Yeah, it, it, it feels very similar to food with the, uh, the idea of fast food and health food. And like, it, mm-hmm. if health food is difficult, but it's better for you. But I don't really have proof why <clears throat> reading Proust makes you a better human being. 
But the first time you read it, it's not going to. Or it's Dostoevsky only going to be the or whatever, you know. You, you have to read I mean? it, but you have to read. Yeah, but all I'm saying is you have to read it ten times. It's the same thing with me going back to that, you know, that movie from when I was a teenager. The, I, the fact is, I used to watch it every year, and I would get something different out of it. Now, even though it's a bad or not a, it's not a high art film, though it was Criterion Collection, I will say that. But even though it's not like uh, Godard or something like that, I do get a little something different out of it each time I watch it because I it also helps me remember yeah. who, what but, age I was when I first watched yeah, it, etc. Yeah, yeah. et I was always very suspicious. It's like who who made who is who, are you to say that Godard is so great? And the, then everyone agrees, oh, Godard is great, and everyone goes to school, and the teacher says Godard is great, and then and then you look at it, it's like maybe this is a piece of shit. And maybe the well, and, because, and maybe yeah. the Kardashians is more relevant to our times and is saying more about the world we live in, and mm-hmm. like pretending Godard is so great and uh, yeah, yeah. So the argument that people would make is that more people have written about Godard in a way where they're not saying the same thing. So like they've interpreted his work in a multitude of ways, and therefore they've expanded our understanding of his work, but therefore of ourselves, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, it's expansive. Yeah. Whereas, like, Kim Kardashian's tweet can only be read maybe, like, five ways. Now, that said, I, I've seen plenty of arguments for people taking something really, like... Uh, and we've talked about people who have done this on the podcast before, taking something that's kitsch or, like, culturally yeah. popular and, 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 and finding new it understandings is, it. It is funny it. That, that you mentioned Godard because I was... Um, I did a residency in Berlin in maybe 2011. Mm-hmm. And as the closing party of my residency, I did a a thing called the uh, YouTube associations where I put on a YouTube movie and then the next person puts another one, then the next, then the next. And we, it's a conversation in YouTubes instead of words. Mm-hmm. And so with our generation, very quickly, it's about memes or embarrassing things or weird things. Uh, and and uh, people will put up. So it, the whole crowd was artists. They, like all the post-internet artists in Berlin that you can think of. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. were all there. And I remember sitting next to a friend, he's like, what would be... So people are putting hilarious videos and uh, embarrassing videos, and uh, you can imagine. And uh, this friend of mine, uh, also a respected artist, is like, what could be the uncoolest video to show right now? And they're like, yeah, like a Godard clip. That would be <laughs> like the worst thing. Because it's so obviously good, and it's so confirmed, <laughs> and it's so respected that in, in that context, that would just, just be the most awful choice, you know? So, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it, it, that's why I try to avoid the political, because it's too complicated. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't mean too complicated to solve, but too complicated for me as an artist to, to uh, participate in that dialogue. So, when I think of... The dumbing down of media is that because there's been so much cutting on education that people are not can't they're not able to grasp higher, or is it their choice? Yeah, I mean, I I like to think back to this is not a change talk, just like kind of sideways step to get us somewhere, which is like when I was a young art student, I was naive to what to you know this question was top of my mind, like you said as well. And the first work that resonated with me um, was like actually more entertaining than mainstream media. So, you know, um, I can remember seeing my first Alex Bag video. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the artist Alex Bag, one of the youngest artists ever to grace the cover of Art Forum in the 1990s. But she had this series of tapes called Fall 95. 
And I remember the first time I saw these videos, which are just little sketch comedy videos, like like you might see on SNL. But there's they were so hilarious that I was like, this is better than Saturday Night Live. How come more people don't know about this? Mm. And therefore, like I was like it could have been the circumstance, like everything was boring in art school or something like that. And then this yeah, like, exactly. entertaining, funny, hilarious um, artist stood out. But, I mean, it led me to find other artists like that. Um, well, there, there's the weird... People like Tony Orsler. It, and, it's funny because if you're uh, in the current climate where it's like mm-hmm. tweets are the, the, the dialogue by which people are fired in the government and all that stuff, mm-hmm. then you're like, hey, maybe we need long content form. But if you're in the middle of art school and everybody is doing really long-form stuff, you're like, hey, maybe we should condense things and make it more fun and snappy. And uh. But I think what we're describing is the same thing that happens in any subculture. So say you're into punk music. The, there's like one song or something that first captures your attention. Like, whoa, this, sound, what? this doesn't sound like anything like the mainstream. How come... Does everyone know about this? Is this? And then you like, you you start with that, and then you like find another. There, oh, someone's like, oh, you think that's good? You should hear this. And then someone's like, oh no, I mean that actually was inspired by this. You got to go back to this root material, you know. And the same thing would happen in a wine drinking club, right? Like wine super yeah. pretentious too. But through that like taste making chain, you get to get more and more interested in the nuances and less and less. In, so the nuance is what's actually entertaining is all I'm saying right like hmm. it's it's first at first it's just it's just shockingly yeah, yeah, yeah. different that's entertaining yeah, so the, there's novelty the other question I had and especially you it being uh, closely tied to video art is that the word entertainment in the arts is usually a derogatory term it's a bad thing <laughs> just like decoration like those two entertaining and decorative they're usually mm-hmm. not compliments when you're making contemporary you, art. Like, I, immediately I think of like Ryan Tricartan when you say that, though. Because Ryan Tricartan came along at the start of the YouTube era, and the video for which he was best known for, our audience might not know if they're not art people, that Ryan Tricartan's like one of the big names. But his first video that was super popular is called A Family Finds Entertainment. But like he was making just YouTube videos that were incredibly entertaining while he was in art school, not as art. Um, and well, cause he was, it, whenever you're a young artist, you have to find the boundaries and where people go, wait a minute, that's not art. Right. And like, but what the reason I think of him right away is because at that very time, the biggest artist in the world, not just like in America, was um, Matthew Barney. And Matthew Barney was making the least entertaining films ever made, like on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's like, how could I take a simple idea and stretch it out over six hours (laughs) with... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that I can sell well, like a hundred things yeah, out of this Yeah, it's this, this sort of anti-enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Barney films, everyone knows. Like, his last film was six hours long. Like, most of the audience doesn't finish watching it. Um, he's almost, like, intentionally testing uh, the limits of, of your But they were not for, intended for as concert. moving paintings that you pass by every now and then and look at a moment no. and then leave. You're supposed to watch every little detail. Yeah. It's really like self-centered. And so Ryan Tricartan comes along. I remember when this happened because I thought of it as like, this is like a new, this is a new thesis for, for art, right? Like that this is new art populism in response to this ridiculous bourgeoisie like Matthew yeah. Barney. Right? So I guess it's all in waves of, of, of sort of decadent elitism and then grassroots populism and then it goes back and forth. Yeah. 
because now now uh, Ryan Tricartan's considered this like kind of um, pretty stodgy like another Ryan Tricartan like in an institutional show. Uh, he's become and they're an almost institution. All the same. Yeah. Also, he's like stopped experimenting. I, I mean, I, I don't. I like Ryan Tricartan for his original work, and I still like him a little bit. But he takes very few risks. Um, almost any, everyone will agree with that. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe could, he was. He never took a risk because he was always himself, and then people accepted mm-hmm. him, and then they're like, "Why are you doing the same thing?" He's like, "Well, because that's me." But, like, when I see him, I'm thinking, like, crawl show. Like, this could have just as easily been, like, one or two seasons on the Comedy Network, and then it would have been canceled. That sounds really harsh, (laughs) but it's not that different. Like, if you look at his work and you look at contemporary comedy, it's pretty, it's pretty, it was just, like, a little bit ahead, right? It was, like, a few years ahead. Mm. And this is, I guess, the point that I wanted to make um, as I was thinking about it this morning, which is that, like, a lot of times... Art just has one job in relationship to entertainment. You know, art is often uh, on the the you know is on the vanguard or whatever. But that's right? that's, that's tricky um, because art also loves to pick from popular culture. So, if you look at Warhol or pop art, they mm-hmm. didn't change pop culture; they sampled pop culture. So that's, that's true. They, that's, they, that's they didn't change uh, the distribution of food into cans. They looked mm-hmm. at cans and then brought those to the gallery. So. I think often, uh, so I don't know if Ryan Tricartan, he took a lot from YouTube culture. I don't know if he changed YouTube culture. That's an interesting point to make. Um, you know, and you could throw, it, volley the same thing at me. Like, there was a point where I was making quite a lot of YouTube videos. Just last week, I posted the first one, and I was, like, looking at when did I last post a YouTube video? It was two or three years ago. And I was like, I used to post stuff every month. Um, but what happened over time was that just became like such a huge ocean. It was impossible to actually make a mark on. Uh, and you're right. Like as an individual artist, Ryan Tricartan, like any artist has very little power. No, well, well the, 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 there's a general thing veering off a bit from the theme, but artists often mm-hmm. feel, uh, sad when their work gets sampled by fashion or popular culture, but artists, but, oh yeah. But then, uh, there are lawsuits and et cetera, but, in art, it almost seems normal to just uh, collage everything. I mean, well, I looked a little bit at this and this and this. Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. And to just reflect. It's like yeah. you're making the argument that art is the contextualizing. You know, job is to reflect yeah, to, culture to contextualize. Back. Let's put it in the white room, mm-hmm. and then we can think about uh, it. Yeah, but I guess I, I, I like I, that's why I mentioned Alex Bag earlier. I mentioned Ryan Jacarton. I do think some of these artists were um, like, or... Yeah, and certainly feminist artists I can say like Carolyn yeah. Schneeman yeah, or Martha Rosler who I mentioned on, on the they were ahead of the cultural curve because yeah, they yeah, were saying yeah. you know like 50 or 60 years ago women's bodies uh, belong to women and we can represent them how we choose and it's not you know a male producer's yeah. job to you know, so and, they, and that objectification is wrong yeah. blah 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 but you, you know so I, I think I can safely make that argument um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if I need to make anything. Yeah, <laughs> no, but but, but. Um, um, there's something about. Of course, we're going to talk about entertainment and art and the relationship. Um, and the thing you were saying about long-lasting content that you can go back to again and again. Yeah, but, what but, they call evergreen content. Yeah, in but the but industry. so if you have a classic novel like uh, a Charles Dickens novel or. Uh, um, any any famous novel that lasted more than a hundred years and that you can go back to, mm-hmm. um, but I also noticed that now in and remember like Charles Dickens was writing uh, for yeah. like a ma- uh, like a mainstream audience in in like 
you know, for yeah, commuters. Yeah, maybe, maybe Charles Dickens is not the best example. But, but, <laughs> but yeah, things can be very yeah. sort of popular culture and become classics. But yeah. what I mean is... Uh, now this theater nearby Metrograph like they'll play old kung fu movies or 80s action movies because mm-hmm. now they you see them so differently mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they also have a long lasting value but they never had any pretension but entertainment right like they, they, they will were, show yeah. a, a Jackie Chan series now of all the old Jackie Chan movies and you're like wow that guy was so amazing and he directed everything himself and he wrote the stories himself yeah. and the comedy is so physical and he didn't use a lot of special effects and his mastery of uh, physical acting. But at the time, nobody looked at it that way. They were like, well, this movie is so fun. Yeah, but this is the thing that I think you're getting to the elephant in the room that I think is really interesting to talk about because um, I've worked on this problem all the way up to like an institutional level, which is like, if, uh, if the art world continues to assume that like, having an audience is a negative yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> connotation, yeah. then it will continue to produce work that is quote-unquote self-important, right? That that it, we assume is important because it came from an artist. And I think yeah. like, that's a very dangerous I don't know if thinking. that's dangerous. It's just one way of thinking. It is a way. I think it's dangerous only because it produces a generation, at least I can tell you, so working under the public system in Canada that way, um, what it can produce is skepticism from the general public toward the value of what you're making. And what can eventually result in that is the work being defunded and therefore artist careers can be put at risk. That was similar when you looked at the history of the MoMA and everybody said, oh, this is some elitist crap that nobody understands. And now it's a big tourist Mm -hmm. draw. Right, right, right. But the MoMA also is like now the most populist museum, probably. Yeah, but the work at the time was very difficult. People are like, what is this (laughs) monstrous style of painting? My eyes are hurting. No, I know. And I think that's why it's the elephant in the room. It's one one that's interesting to talk about. It's like nuanced. It's hard to make a But but maybe what I'm saying is that you, just like in science, you have fundamental research that you're not sure how it will ever be useful to anybody, but you have to do Mm -hmm. it. That's the only Mm -hmm. way to get to new grounds. Yeah, my argument might be that the planet is now so large, what is it, like 7 billion people, that if you can't find a few hundred people that are interested in your idea, then, I don't know, like, potentially the idea, I mean, there is no idea that shouldn't be expressed. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, that some ideas, like Ryan Carton, it's like, I'm ready for that to go away. Like, he did his thing, like, move on oh, to the next thing. So right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Poor him Ryan. down because he's so hot. No, but especially on his way down, you're like, oh, yeah. What? I don't think he's on his way down. He's still, like, raking it in, I'm sure. I, and he's like, I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, I'm just saying that, like, if we don't fairly assess it for its... Like, okay, as there are individual works and there's a body of work. The bo- in a, And if there's no risk... It, there was originally risk, and now there's no risk. I, my it's thesis now just with his work it, is that he was always himself and so to ask him to change just mm-hmm. because you know him that doesn't make any sense it's like i love the ramones for example and they which is also very entertaining and non-pretentious yeah. so the ramones always did the ramones just slight variations some albums are more poppy and some albums are more fast and uh, aggressive yeah. but they're basically the Ramones. they never change their outfit they were shocking for a while, and then they were old, and then they were fresh again. Uh, but they were always mm-hmm. the remote. So I, same for Ryan Chocardi. He should just be Ryan Chocardi. He shouldn't all of a sudden start making, uh, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. 
I don't know what he minimalist painting. Po- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, it does remind me. I, I think I've mentioned. No, a few no, times, I'm, I'm like, always in favor of people continuing their path. Uh, this idea of uh, the, the, you got to break stuff, you got to fail, you got to do other things. It's, it's complete nonsense. Well, Steve Martin, like famously, uh, and maybe it's just because I'm trying to like you know make do with what I'm doing. But Steve Martin set up, uh, you know, in his book "Born Standing Up." I don't know if you read it, but like he was super depressed when he would go to his concerts. He's still like the comedian that's performed for the largest audiences in America to this day. Um, but he'd be super depressed because all they wanted was his old jokes, and he'd be like, "I've got all this new material." Like, and he's like, "Why do you, Why do you want these old that jokes?" That is like, a funny thing about entertainment and music, especially. Yeah. And yeah, and then eventually you sign a deal with the devil. You're going to have lots of money, but you're going to have to play the same song for the rest of your life. And you're not going to be 17, and you're going to have to shout, "I can't get no (laughs) satisfaction." And and you're going to be so tired, and your bones are going to hurt, and you're like, "God, why do I have to pretend to be 17 when I'm 75?" (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah. I mean, like um, that's the deal with the devil. It's it's the the Robert Johnson. uh, Myth of him at the crossroads <clears throat> meeting the devil. But then sometimes things go away and they come back. Like Paul Rubens as Pee Wee Herman. I was I was so sad like when he stopped performing. Um, and then he made a film uh, for Netflix uh, like last year or something like that. A, the Pee Wee like another Pee Wee adventure. Was it good? I didn't even finish watching. It's <laughs> like I was like this isn't as good as the originals and it's a different time now. And so all I wanted to do is go back and watch the original. That's why you know and that's why recordings exist. Um, yeah. One funny note about that is he had himself digitally altered so that he looked as young as he did in the original films, uh, like an Instagram um, filter. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't like you know the Rolling Stones where they were aging. Yeah. But I think some artists get better with age doing the same thing. Like one of the pieces that I love to refer to in that regard that's entertaining. And again, if we just come back to it being like if the artwork is something that you can come back to and get new value from, that's what I consider entertainment. Uh, Yoko Ono has this piece uh, that she performs, or I don't know if she, I don't think she still performs it, but she was performing it up until just very recently called Cut, where, you know, she invites members of the audience to come up and cut pieces of her dress off. Now, when she was like a young, like super attractive, traditionally speaking, uh, young woman, it was a lot, you know, it was a very tense piece. If you see recordings of it, though, I don't refer necessarily to the recordings as the authentic truth. Like there are men coming up and it's kind of like, you know, it feels very tense and misogynist, like these men are assaulting her. But as she got older, she, you know, became an elderly lady from who, you know, with whom like the cutting away was exposing a vulnerability. Um, and the piece has a very different kind of vibe. Uh, and, and I love when pieces and work evolves that yeah. way over time. You know? The one thing I noticed is uh, when you rewatch movies, maybe once every five years, they were just showing... Uh, Blue Velvet here on the big screen. So one mm-hmm. of my favorite movies. And go see it. And I was Classic. like, I don't know if I'm going to see it, it go there because I've seen it maybe 10 times. It's like, no, I'll go. And I was surprised how little I remembered. Like every scene, mm-hmm. it was like, I, I'm not sure what's happening next. <laughs> and it's it's really funny how little you remember. If you if you watch a TV show a few seasons and like two years later, you watch it again, you've, you're completely entertained again. You, you forgot mm-hmm. everything. But also, I think what you're carrying with you is this is sort of an essence. Yeah, but, but I'm really talk about talking about the basic plot. Like, I don't know who's killing who or who's the best. Like, you really forget so much. 
I know, but I'm just saying it's not the plot that brings you back to the film. It's it's something yeah. greater than the plot. And then and the, the plot the, is something I want to talk about. The plot as a as a hook and the, this sort of mechanism and uh, uh, mm-hmm. that, that's okay. Tell uh, me. Well, it's one thing I'm very suspicious of with all these TV shows. Is that it almost feels like they've oh, scientifically formulaic. figured out uh, what hooks you. Like they they've figured out a semantic structure of like, okay, we need about seven characters. Uh, three mm-hmm. of them are bad, four of them are good. They mm-hmm. need to be emotionally tied and they need to be dependent on each other. And then at some point there has to be a stress source and an environment. It, like It's almost yep. like in a lab. And then at the at the end of the film there needs to be... or at The, the same end of the, way you can show, develop this, McDonald's food yeah. and be like, okay, we need a balance of salt and sugar and at the end of the meal you add a... Cliffhanger, yeah. 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 No, you're absolutely and, right. And, and like I make sure the food keeps you hungry so you come back <laughs> and... Uh, give them incentive to order more and yeah but that's not a mistake i mean for example the ted talk format which is like you know people took the same formats that are being used in television they're like hmm, i wonder if we could use this to improve uh performance for what is otherwise boring lecture talks right and so they apply that format and like nancy duart has a book on where she compares like you know homer's odyssey to steve jobs talking on stage is like look how they're the same and look and you can learn this formula too and then what's interesting about that is that idea of like story driven um, like or plot driven uh, content made its way into design a few years ago. And actually a friend of mine, this guy, uh, Nicholas, uh, he ended up coming out of Pixar and going to work for Airbnb. And I think I mentioned this in the Airbnb episode, right? And like in, in driving this idea of story driven design. And now my teams at FreshBooks use the same and can you process. Tell, can you give an example of adding the story to the design? Yeah, so basically, I mean, the most basic example that you're all probably familiar with or have been sucked into is like you sign up for a new product. And as I mean, actually, the best example I can give is maybe not even in a software product. If you've ever played a video game, this is actually the the people that figured this out first were video game designers because they realized that if a user of a video game or a player, um, you know, got beyond a certain point and it was a number of hours or uh, amount of engagement that they had, then they were more likely to finish the game and to purchase additional content. If you could get them past that threshold, uh, then you'd make a lot more money. And so video game designers, you know, because if you played the video game for like 10 minutes, you'd probably return it, right? They, and they got up to these ridiculous levels with video games, right? Like you buy a game, it's like, what's the, how much content is there? And it's like, it's 40 to 80 hours. Wow, 40 to 80 <laughs> hours. Like, I don't know who has time for that. But anyway, yeah. for like a teenager, that's like, okay, I need to fill 80 hours uh, over the next two months. What am I going to do? What game am I going to buy? And anyway, they use these, what are called onboarding techniques, um, and you know gamification, which came out of that, um, to like lure you in or hook you into taking the yeah. next small step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the same way, um, social media is addictive. Yeah, but like most often in software products, the way this comes to life, that's not completely story driven, is as this like narrative arc. Like we will, and Clayton Christensen talks about this too uh, a little bit, who we've mentioned on the podcast, Innovator uh, from Harvard, where basically you're just trying to understand. What progress is the, your protagonist or your customer trying to make? Like, what is their desired outcome? Yeah. And then you draw this, like, narrative arc. We literally draw narrative yeah, yeah, arcs yeah. on the whiteboard. Yeah. And we talk about what are the stages this person's yeah, going to go yeah, through yeah. on their little journey. And, then, and there's this thing of a journey map. And there is the interesting blah, blah, blah. thing where uh, we, we could both set a challenge. You can set a health challenge. You say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week and uh, eat more 
whole grain food or whatever. And the same way you could set an intellectual challenge where it's like, I'm going to turn off social media after 6 p.m. and uh, I will only read long form content. Mm-hmm. We could both set that challenge. You, and you can go further. And But you will get to a place where you're really not aware of the time you're living in anymore because you're, uh, let's say that you set this goal, I want to read all the classics. I want to read uh, Beowulf uh, from and, and starting from 2,000 years ago to, to now and read all the important works. And it almost become like a Werner Herzog type of this mm-hmm. idea of the grand uh, exploration of the human psyche. But then you just can't communicate with anyone anymore. You, you'll walk around and be like, you want to talk about reading Beowulf? Or, uh, and, and everybody's like, did you see that new video of uh, uh, Trump fired his Secretary of State by tweet? And, and you're yeah. like, I'm just thinking about, I, I often think about like, oh, let's shut off from, I don't have Facebook. I don't really use Twitter. I just keep Instagram because without it, I'm really disconnected. Like, I'm really mm-hmm. not, I'm not participating in my direct generation. So the argument you're making in in general is like if you're not participating in popular culture, yeah. you exist you exist outside of culture. You're not even in a position to, to you're outside to of your time. Culture. So and and, and mm-hmm. that could be a choice. That could be fine. Mm-hmm. But if I was really like, okay, I'm going to spend a year reading Dostoevsky and Proust and just get rid of all this uh, short form content, and because the focus with social media is always on the on the current crisis and on the current mm-hmm. current thrill, and like, what yeah. if we take a longer trajectory and like read about but i think it, yeah wouldn't you argue probably it's important to have both because but i don't dri- think it's possible to have both I, I, for well, me I'm it, everything in the present I, I'm is derivative say, I'm, of the past i'm saying that the 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 short form current context the content is so addictive and pervasive that you cannot consume long form content mm-hmm. like i can remember but, and, and, and let's just take ago. it as a, a how many no, how no, many no. pieces of literature did you read last year, like books or po- poetry compilations? No, no, I know, and you, you know that that's a very short uh, a short answer because I read mostly nonfiction. Yeah, but I, w- I was going to make like sort of this, you know, Nicholas Carr the Shallows argument that like uh, you know, we're heading towards, and it's the argument you're making, which is that we're heading towards like uh, shorter and shorter attention spans. Like I can remember, and that results years ago, in some kind of politics, which is not great. Right, like a few years ago, it was like a minute. It was three minutes. Then it got down to a minute and a half, and now it's down to like eight seconds or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like YouTube pre-roll ads. It was six seconds. You used to have a whole build-up in an ad. Wow, thirty seconds. That seems really luxurious now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Remember exactly. when we would watch ads for thirty seconds? I don't know what the end game of that yeah, is. But I'm, I'm, I'm very, feeling... I'm very weary of like becoming old and saying like the the, the old way of thinking was better. And uh, but. I don't, and I would, I would completely argue against. I would, I would say, sure, video games and tweets and Twitch and everything's fine, if it wasn't mm-hmm. for also a wave of populism in politics. That's really a wake up call for me. Where it's like, okay, I see. maybe it's not so innocent. Right. Okay. Now I get your argument from earlier. I wasn't quite connecting the dots, but like, what you're saying is this reality television star could now be in office, and therefore, yeah, like you can say really can dumb shit, and people are like, yeah, that yeah. sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah, so if anyone can get eight seconds of my attention, then they're probably, you know, an, a presidential candidate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. These things are not so innocent. So that that's, and, and I, I really, I was always, even when I was uh, in high school, we would talk about literature and I would say, well, cartoons are way more interesting and why do we have to read literature? And I would argue for, 
long test. Here's a question for you, though. Is it that they can get eight seconds of your attention, or is it it that they can get eight seconds and then the next eight seconds and then the next eight seconds and then the next eight seconds? I think it's really close to food. It's just so intense that you keep... uh, No, but you know, it's these micro loops. Like, you see the way, you know, like... I know you brought Trump up, so I get to talk about it. Yeah. But you, you know, you see the way, the way Trump yeah, operates. Yeah, I, I wanted to keep talk away the, from politics, but entertainment but now the, is, and, and <laughs> politics are one. The speed of the news cycle, though, does make it seem as if the micro loop or like the, the it's not about how short the content is. It's about how long it is before you get your next piece of and content. And how intense it of, is. Of, and how intense it is. Yeah, yeah. so shocking shocking announcements like eight in a week would seem reasonable but, to you but now, in, right? You're in, like, oh, imagine going there through, wasn't a shocking imagine announcement. Imagine going through World War Two, but with social media and live video. Like how it, crazy that time would have t- yeah, been. It, it, it's true. I, and how, yeah, whether we would... Now, or so it the would not have is, happened because people were like, hey, wait a minute, we can't let this happen. But there was a populist president at the time yeah, as well. Yeah, Churchill yeah. was very populist. Like, I just watched a film... Uh, with the Gary Oldman that won the Academy Award. And he's like, you know, goes down onto the subway and like talks to the people. And he pitches his and message. And he has tweet like, sound bites. Yeah, he has all these little sound bites that, you know, still resonate to this day. The pull quote is was still relevant then because there were newspaper headlines, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like maybe the, one of the things I, is... Yeah, I, I, not, I, I don't have a big message like uh, saying we, sh- we should go this way. That So I want to go... It, it look at the personal and, and look at how mm-hmm. I experience our time and how you experience yeah. it. And so do you, just like everybody wishes they were eating healthier and exercising more, do you also yeah. have a wish to absorb higher quality content, but you're too tired? Um, or do you feel fine with your, this, be, like, with your media intake? Okay, I'll go back to the personal, which was that I used to consume a lot of like avant-garde video, like I'd go into all the video festivals. And then there was, I was making work that I, I was still, it was, I was trying to make entertaining work and I still found entertainment in those festivals, but eventually I got to the point where I was seeing the same work again. So you were, you were, with, different with artists. the entertainment value in your work, you were kind of uh, provoking the stereotypes of video art. Well, I just got more and more. Yeah, exactly. And then I got more and more bored with seeing the same thing over and over again. This might sound like terribly dismissive, but it's like a challenge that every when artist faces, you- which is, I don't know, maybe like a few years ago, yeah. like like halfway into my career, I was just like, I don't want to go to the, another one of these screenings where I'm going to see the exact same thing I saw two years ago and two years before that and two years before that kind of thing. And so it was derivativeness because i i like new things i like new ideas you know that and like i would even get bored doing the same thing of my own again right Mm -hmm. and so it was more about like what's new and what's new was not there anymore um and that's a challenge to my to the audience i guess if they want to show me something new um but i'd be excited to see it but like you get to us as i've gotten older and it just could be like that's the process of getting old like i've always wondered like why my parents never go to the movies anymore <laughs> like or why aren't they more engaged with the culture but it might just be that they feel like they've seen it yeah. all well i i don't buy that for one second like uh, there's this cliche that you listen to music that you grow up as a teenager and that's your standard and the rest of your life you you want to go back to that feeling but there are new ideas in music all yeah. the time i find yeah, new ideas exactly in music so i don't buy that idea that just means you don't have time it just okay, means you so- you probably you know and it's understandable if you're very busy and you have three jobs and six kids and uh, you don't have time to like right. go through lots of playlists and then your kids are going to listen to weird music and you're going to be like oh that's awful i want to relax with the eagles 
but there are definitely like new ideas in art. I'm not saying art doesn't have new ideas or plenty of new ideas in art. Um, but I'm just saying like, it was most exciting to me when most of the new ideas in my life, like 90% yeah. of the new ideas were coming out of art. Now, a lot of the new ideas that like I find exciting just substantial because it's my content. life. Well, a lot, no, like a lot of the ideas come for me out of business. And that's, okay. I know that sounds really weird, but it'll be like, wow, like that's a really interesting idea. So I'll just go wherever the new idea is as an art. And as an, I'm less interested in being an artist than someone that's like pursuing what's next. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and do you think uh, if so in this, um, it, it does seem like entrepreneurs are the, the biggest rock stars, bigger than rappers. Like, people, yeah, so I've made this argument before, yeah. and it's kind of dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like we have, but, then, but the public has already decided. But I, and it's very funny. I never, I really, if you would have heard me in art school, I was always arguing against elitism and snobbery. And it feels like in this podcast, I often quote like, "Hey, we should, we should go to <laughs> long form films and on seventy millimeter." <laughs> but it, there's this funny thing in Silicon Valley where the basic paradigm is efficiency. Mm-hmm. And then they say, yeah, we want to do good. But nobody, everyone still believes in like a 120-hour work week. Um, so for some reason, efficiency does not mean, that means you have more f- free time to absorb literature and poetry and classical music. It's like, no, it's just, let's make it more efficient so we can work more. Mm-hmm. To do what? Well, to get people to click more. To click what? To yeah. click addictive content. It, 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 so the, the outcome of business is such a weird cultural... It, it, the, the cultural logic or the cultural result yeah. of efficiency is this short... It's, it's, again, not so innocent. Okay, so I, I, I really hate bringing this person up, but let's, we have to talk about outrageous ideas and who have the most outrageous ideas right now on the largest scale, right? And in 1960... You know, five, it was John Lennon and Yoko Ono. But today, it's like, unfortunately, Elon Musk, right? I hate bringing up his name. No, it's, it's okay. So it's cliche. good. Yeah. He's, like, and he has he, that rock star personality where like, yeah, I want right. an Elon Musk flamethrower. Yeah, I just don't like, I just don't like the guy. But regardless, what did he do you know, like, you? what did he do? I, it's just because of the, the out, most outrageous things yeah, he well, does. Yeah, but it is like, entertaining. He's a very entertaining character. There's no denying that. Right. So yeah. like... He yeah, he like attention. sold. He's managed to like make. I think it was like fifty million dollars just selling blowtorches like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But like then, like the like idea of launching a car into space and then having like a little fake person <laughs> do it, playing like, David Bowie. It's really yeah. we. Do, I just have to say, like it is next level in terms of like entertainment. Yeah. Um, and where did it come from? It came because the, because, from like a business, yeah because so. yeah you think of like the next NASA mission and people are like meh, but then he's like no let's throw a convertible car like a red car into space and play David Bowie. Right. I'm just asking, like, you know, would, regardless of what you think that's like kind of a, a, like a, like a teenage boy <laughs> billionaire thing to do, who else right now is doing stuff on that's that, that scale? Like you had, in yeah, art, yeah, yeah. yeah, like in art, maybe Christo would have done something no, like uh, that. A few years but ago, I, right? I think the beauty of art is that it doesn't have to compete with spectacle. Like, you, you art. Okay, that's a. Uh, yeah, Scully is uh, knocking things yeah, off the good. shelf. Just yeah. to, <laughs> we yeah. let that happen. But but about Elon Musk and and things being yeah. so entertaining, um, it, it well, it's, like, it, it's just, just it's it's amazing. And there's no way of uh, diving into long content when there's like a car flying through a red cor- Corvette is flying through space. 
But like people were watching that live yeah. for three hours. Yeah. Yeah. But he did make space exploration uh, more spectacular. But um, but that's what I'm saying. Like our expectations are very low. But right his now, inf- his, his long term goal like to a, me a, it, it a, aligns with like I would love if cities were filled with electric cars. Uh-huh. I think that's way better than. Uh, so the vision is important. To you. The, like the goal, you, you, no, you, the, you his goal vision. is fine with me. Like his goal is like, mm-hmm. okay, let's use solar energy, let's uh, make cars more quiet and safe. That's fine. I'm talking about the other mm-hmm. goal of like Soylent or Facebook, where it's like, let's make things more efficient. Right, right, right. right. And and what I mean, um, Elon Musk's goal of something like a Hyperloop could still facilitate a person being more contemplative and having time to read. I'm just reading, mm-hmm. using reading as an analogy of something that's hard to do, but it could be any form yeah. of brain stimulation. As opposed to someone inventing the Oculus and being like, okay, well, you know what I mean? There's yeah, a different yeah. thing, there's a different long-term uh, stimulation of but the it, human... No, you're... It's taking us a while to get to a good point, but you're making a very good point that reminds me of um, the 1960s again, when you had people like Marshall McLuhan and you had you had like Buckminster Fuller, these ideologues, people who wanted to change society in our view of everything, yeah. right? Like they they had this panoptic vision of a future of the future and the present. They were able but they to had see a long term vision. But so, like, if we're going to reflect on this podcast, it's like so often what we're focused on now are these eight-second incremental changes, but we're never looking at the whole change. You know, in in product design, they call it the whole product versus, like, the iteration on the single feature. And if you look at, I think someone like Elon Musk is trying to do the whole product for planet Earth. And it's super ambitious and, and it's stupid and juvenile at times, but it captures people's imaginations because... It really does seem like potentially transformative. And then yeah, he actually does deliver but he, on he has the combo of the long-term goal, and then what people also really love is an actual product they can experience themselves. So NASA is amazing, but you can't experience it yourself. You can't fly to the moon. But if mm-hmm. you send the Corvette to the moon, and you can also drive the the, the convertible, the the Tesla, yeah. it, I think that's what really speaks to people. That's why. It, tech news like when apple releases a new gadget why it's so big is because you can actually experience that new thing at home yeah but the only reason this stuff's working is because right governments are failing like nasa would have previously you know like you know said that's us we that's our job our job is to inspire the planet right now they'd be like "Mm, our job is to cut budget (laughs) and uh you know (laughs) so it's. I think it, the space is always there for um, for anyone. It just happens that right now. Okay, now we got Scully playing with their. their no, it's nice. Scully is adding a soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> soundtrack to the background. Yeah. Uh, now we got like we've got entrepreneurs doing it, but artists still have room to step up and do big things to challenge current ideologies, and and I guess that's what what I'm still excited. Okay, but but uh, for, for you personally. Uh, when yeah. you think of educating your brain or stimulating your brain, uh, do you find time for that? Yeah, okay. I do. I'm reading like um, two books right okay. now. They just both happen to be business books. But no, that's fine. <laughs> but do called... you find it hard with uh, tweets and Instagram and daily tasks and the household to find time, or it's fine? I think I, I find that time uh, on planes uh, these days, yeah. like uh, in. In um, it's hard to find silence. Like one of the things that I try and do is read at work, which seems like criminal, but like 
why not? Why aren't we all reading like at an work? Hour, you know, yeah, when you're in yeah. school. Yeah, like, why wouldn't you do that? I, I um, met another Silicon Valley guy, investor, and he was really into speed reading. He's like, I can read a book a day. And to me, that seems so weird. Cause I'm not into that. Yeah, it's like... It's, was he using Blinkist? I, there's this product called Blinkist. I don't Blinkist know, but there's something... It's you. similar if someone told you, I'm into speed eating. Like, oh, I can eat in mm-hmm. two seconds when my lunch is done. It reminds me, it brings me back to Yoko Ono again, because she had this, you know, these flux films where it was like, there's one that's called, uh, it's not called Blink, it's called like Flicker. But anyway, she's blinking in the film and she just takes a blink and she slows it way down to be like, you know, three minutes. And so much of that time, you know, if we go back to, a, that was literally the last major demographic shift, um, you know, the baby boomers. they felt also like things were accelerating and then these artists come along and they slow things right down and i think we have a responsibility to do art is a lot about freezing things and then you can reflect on them it's like yeah which is why the classic idea of a painter sitting somewhere and being oh let's let's look at this first century yeah yeah i mean it's sad that the average audience only spends like three seconds on a painting no i don't think that's true but the thing is, like, if if they come back to that painting for another, yeah. Three but even seconds, if they, they just see it briefly and later they have it hanging as a poster, in the, it, I don't think that's the problem. I, I, right. I do think, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just we'll see what the outcome is of this, of of <laughs> the the world's best brains making us addicted to short form content. I don't think that's where the story is, though. That's my point for today. I think the it's already moved on, like, and it's 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 kind of encapsulated in the Elon Musk thing. And I know that certain artists are like pursuing, you know, satellite or moon based projects now. And so it's not that. Uh, I mean, Google previously had this position. Someone will always come along, and it's not going to be more than a few people. Um, and create long-form entertaining content, but it's always going to be built around mo- moving all of society in a direction. And um, and everyone will be talking about it because it affects everyone. And I just think, I think that's actually where entertainment is going. Um, that's what the internet originally promised, right? Was this like commons for yeah. everyone mm-hmm. to talk about the big issues. And we're, I think we're going to come out of this Trump era where we're going to be like sick of the short stuff. Um, hmm. And we're going to be looking for the long mm. stuff. Yeah, maybe. That's my, maybe. That's my yeah. hypothesis. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But um, personally, I, I I just find it very hard to uh, to not constantly refresh for content on the internet. And then I, I try to make work out of it, and I make those browsing compositions, but I do... Mm-hmm. It, it it is interesting. It's classified as an addiction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I I'm I'm really like not judgmental of people though. Like my philosophy. No, but is, of myself. So uh, part of me is like, okay, yeah. I should accept the time we're living in, and if we're constantly refreshing feeds, then maybe that's a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. and we can uh, stand still and look at that. And at the same time, it's like, oh, I really want to read more long form content, and it's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you just have to to, to make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's that simple. But the same way, it's not I, that simple to, to eat healthy. It's it's not that simple. If if the constantly there are offers of the opposite, right? Like the current, you know, there's a lot of talk about like cutting sugar out of your diet completely, and that's how uh, I grew of, up. You know, 
So this right. is a, maybe what yeah. I'm talking about. Like the way I was raised was on the, on the other side of the spectrum. And then I was always like, this is stupid. And uh, why is that bad? And now I'm realizing, oh, maybe my parents were right. Your parents were right. Yeah. <laughs> well, your parents are the ultimate in uh, entertainment and storytelling. <laughs> they've, they've crafted your whole story yeah, your whole yeah. life. And you don't realize it until a lot yeah. later. But they were, they were talking about the dangers of sugar in, uh, since the mid-70s. So. It didn't come as a surprise yeah. to me when I saw a sugar ne- a documentary on Netflix. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like the New York Times just did a whole thing this week on it. I think like, but it's funny to read. But that sugar in, is in an interesting analogy because we, we've managed to, first of all, make fruit a lot sweeter than it occurred in nature and then to distill it and to make it even sweeter. And how can you say no? Like if you give a little kid some sugar, it's like it's the most delicious thing they've ever tasted. <laughs> Yeah, it's like very much like the a great a great metaphor analogy for this um, for tweet, for, this idea of entertainment. For, for, right? If you can't if you can't resist the little the bonbon, right, then you're not going to be able to resist the three second cat video clip. I mean, that's why and cat videos are great. Have, There's really nothing wrong with cat videos, but I'm just yeah. saying they're entertaining. Um, because I don't actually I, I don't know why they're entertaining. It is one of like they're magical. They're magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. magical. All I know is I'm part of that entertainment complex. And so yeah. now that you have a real cat in the house, that's like 3D YouTube. <laughs> I I'm definitely thinking about like all the content scenarios and one th- you know and like how how do people capture this stuff. Um, and it's making me think about that media on the internet and, and just having a cat now puts me among a huge audience of people called cat lovers who are suddenly like tech, you know, texting me on Instagram and stuff. And I'm like, wow, well, like, all you have to do is get a cat. Yeah. <laughs> Would Warhol have had a cat? Probably. Yeah, imagine, well, Dali had an ocelot. That was cool. That's right. That's yeah. right. But hey, um, there's Will, I don't, William Beckman, he was kind of a, a pre-YouTube uh, you know, with, yeah, with his, with his dog, Wilma Reiner's. Yeah, the, the, those dogs. So he was so a William conceptual Wayman, artist was, who made videos of his uh, of films of his dog and later videos. And it's true. We should have brought the William because Wayman he's really earlier. a bridge between entertainment and art. Yeah, and early on he was making these videos that were just very short form, actually, like for that time anyway, but like a minute or two long. It was and very they might proto just, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I always use that as an example. Oh, you want to see YouTube in 1971? Here it is, right? Um, but it was so interesting because he was doing dog. that in art context. Like, now if somebody yeah. had shot those videos on YouTube, you'd be like, sure, fine. But to provoke the art context and, uh, and say, hey, I can make something. Like, if we can do any topic, why not do a really cute topic? Mm-hmm. But at that time, remember, the artists were responding to the history of television and not having had access. And so like what he was doing is saying, I don't have a fancy budget, but I can still be entertaining. Right. Like you don't need Lucille Ball when you've got yeah. me. And he was right. Um, That's the crazy thing. It's like now Lucille Ball gets way less views than puppy videos. <laughs> That's right. He, but what's interesting about his career is that you know he he doubled down on the dogs and started dressing them up and doing portraits with them and such, and then just got into like basically su- the souvenir market and like coffee table. Yeah, and that's and almost like the that. the conceptual outcome is a provocation of the high culture. Well, I bring it up because like 
you know, your art teacher would be like, okay, look at this William Wegman from the 1970s, brilliant. And then they'd be like, but it's so sad. Now he's popular. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not got, one of us. Now he's, he's doing like coffee table books <laughs> yeah. and stuff. He's like, he's what a, what a sellout. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we didn't talk about that this podcast, but I feel like we're out of time, but selling out is kind of, um, is kind of the result of someone who says like, I'm going to, I'm going to be even more entertaining than I need to be. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm gonna like I'm gonna just cave to the to what people are asking me to do. You know, like people are asking for this, and I'm just gonna do a hundred percent of what they're asking for. And, and and so it's the release of authorship, I think. Um, yeah, it, it's also maybe artists and just like music snobs like finding stuff that's obscure, and when it's no longer obscure, they want to find the next obscure thing. Right, right, right. There's right. nothing wrong with I that. Come back, like, like, the, it's, it's the same with gadgets. Like you call them early adapters. Right, right, right. Or you? Oh, you said early adapters, but you mean adopters? Early adopters. Sorry, yeah. I like this. I like this idea of early yeah. adapters, though. Yeah, I'll change my gender. I'm um, early. Yeah, yeah. But it it does remind me of um, like I was listening to the Strokes the other day, and I tweeted like, "Is it wrong that I like the Strokes still, even their contemporary albums?" Mm. But it like as an example of a band yeah. that no one respects yeah. of of, of but, good taste. But th- that's maybe something yeah. we didn't talk about. Yeah, like good taste. Yeah, I was like, I, I mean, the songs sound great. Each one has like this catchy, you know, they're well crafted. You know, it's they're well crafted. <laughs> but it was like you're saying, it's a formula that's been packaged. I mean, we don't need to go there again. But th- I still get joy out of that formula. And, and like, you I get still... more joy out of that than listening to the Velvet Underground. Yeah, but it's funny, like you know, like Robin. Let's take as an example in pop music is like Swedish pop musician. Um, kind of electro pop in a way, but like I've Robin has like always been cool. Like no one would argue that's bad taste, but like also very popular. Um, and like so, some artists manage to like walk this thin yeah. line between. Yeah, and I've always been very and... suspicious of the idea of good taste because mm-hmm. who who gets to decide? But I think with someone like Robin, if I can just use her as an example, what she does is like she started out actually almost like pure pop. Um, and she just added more and more edge as she, she got more and more confident. And I think that that's the trajectory people like to see. They like to see it like get edgier, um, not more popular. So they don't like to see the William Wegwin trajectory. What, pe- what we like as a society, I think, is to see the Robin trajectory, which is like, okay, like your last album... You know, you performed on the ground while humping with Royksop or something like that. That was really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like your first album, you were doing like sweet candy pop. Kind yeah, of it is. It is funny so. when the, uh, things like the Marvel movies, and then people start to write really serious reviews about oh, this daring <laughs> thing they did. And uh, well, yeah, you'd like to see that Marvel movie like eventually become a good art, like because then you can. Do see you though, or is it better yeah. that the Marvel movies like we're a Marvel movie and that's it? I'm just saying yeah. what people are looking for because it's like you're they're coming along for the ride with you or something like that. Yeah. But did, um, did you? Yeah, I didn't write the did, rule. Did you watch the? <laughs> you went to Black Panther. I did. What I did. did you it's, think it was great? Yeah. I mean, I thought they packed a lot of theory into a very short um, movie. Like it's a there's a lot of cultural theory and uh, dialogue built into that movie, and it's still you could still go see it and think, oh, that was just like really yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of critique online and, and, and all kinds of interesting stuff. So it's like one of those expanding films. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Get Out was also like that this year. Probably my favorite film of the year that didn't win the Academy Award or last year, right? Mm. But, um, where it like played with 
the tropes of entertainment to yeah, talk I mean, about a larger so much social to talk issue. about entertainment because we didn't really talk about the business model of entertainment. Because when you think yeah. of Marvel taking eighty percent of the box office or whatever, and now being part of Disney, and uh, it it's just they can get all the talent, and then the talent comes up with the best content, and uh, end yep. of story. And it, the same way Amazon is eating up retail, and the Marvel, Disney, and Netflix is define entertainment and set the terms but at the same time they're so desperate for content that really weird stuff can happen yeah in the director of um of get out uh sorry the producer of get out he's he also produced whiplash and all these other films but he has this policy of like a, a set budget and so like you can't exceed this very small budget. I can't remember what it is, like $10 million or something. <laughs> and he just, but his whole thing is to place like a hundred bets on a hundred films and see which one works. Um, but to not, not to worry about the content, to let the artist determine what is artistic and maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Um, and, uh, and see what happens. And it turns out what happens is he's made a lot of money. He, he makes on the order of like 12 times or something like that, the normal amount of any yeah, producer. What's that, what's and the, then there's he's also a B-movie director who would make like 10 movies a year and he he taught a lot of the big hollywood directors uh like ron howard and people uh, studied with him mm-hmm. i can't come up with his movie name right now but he he had like a method of like making a movie on a shoestring budget yeah that's what this guy is doing as well yeah. and I actually the, the kind trauma of... films are, no I, I'm, I'm blank and uh, this is one but, of those uh all the movie nerds are gonna cringe at me not knowing his name but sorry guys it's okay but there's still a good point hidden behind it, which is like this idea that also exists in Silicon Valley of trying 10 things um, and seeing if one works. And the way you determine if it works is if people respond to it. You know, in the art world is not such a popular idea, yeah. but I think artists are but working the, this way. If you look at the outcome of entertainment and this sort of, when you look at the Matrix and the Neo waking up and he realizes he's like sitting in a pod and he's just being fed entertainment, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, or like the fifth element type of thing, where it's just like strobing. Yeah, images. yeah. Do do you ever worry about entertainment becoming too good? Well, that's where we started this podcast, and I think it's you don't have to worry. That's where we are, right? Um, that said, no, but I still but like with, find, I can't find anything to watch on Netflix. So that's like. true. <laughs> you get bored, but th- <laughs> this idea that they will, fi- I guess they can figure it out. Huh? Like as soon as they figure out a f- formula, you get bored and you want something else. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's where artists I still think have a job to do. And so fucking stop making the same thing you made two years ago. Start looking for the new yeah, thing. Yeah, I disagree. I'm bored. <laughs> keep doing what you do and perfect it and then make tiny, <laughs> tiny variations. Two points of view. Yeah. What will you decide? <laughs> you can vote on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, vote. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll have the audience numbers for you next do, episode. Do you have an example of a? Uh, yeah, do you have an example of an artist who pivoted a lot and that you think uh, it was a good result? Um, who comes to mind? Because yeah, I, I mean Richard Sarah. Richard Sarah. I mean. No, that's not. I think I, I think there's nice. tons of because he was doing performative steel, and then he started just doing. There's a lot of examples of, of artists doing well perfecting something, but what example? I think Warhol. Oh, Duchamp is a good yeah, example, yeah. right? And it's Warhol like, tried a right? lot of things. He was also a lot of entertainment. Yeah. 
Well, Duchamp did like painting, then he did glass, yeah. like then he did ready-mades, then you know, then he had performance. Yeah. You, yeah. So there, Warhol, of course, you're right, made films. He did screen printing. He did because that, that is an interesting. This is an interesting point uh, about art going against entertainment. Uh, the idea of uh, the minimalist sculptor or painter just doing the same thing over and over again is so boring to most people. Mm-hmm. And the idea of yeah, boredom and, a- and exploring, like like an artist like Dan Flavin, who makes the sequences of neon yep. tubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all about the details and the small. And and when you see a retrospective exhibition, it's actually quite entertaining. It's like, oh, he goes from one to five, and then he makes a corridor, and then he makes the whole space. Look, like, but yeah. don't but, get me wrong. But no imagine one wants his us to imagine change. his life. Like yeah. it, just every exhibition, like, should I put two or three tubes in this corner? <laughs> I, re- I think about that all the yeah. time. And, and so, I, it, I also, for me, that, that's an interesting question. It, it is very, it, um, even on Kavara with the date paintings, I think it's like that, are very entertaining for the viewer. <laughs> but imagine you know what, his what life. that is. That's like, that's like Tim Ferriss' like, four-hour work week. Figure out a formula for art making and then just do it for the rest of your life. Uh, the, the problem is I find it, that a little bit depressing. There's got to be but more But do, do you not see there. any beauty in this sort of uh, monk the body? work? Like the the, the 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 idea of restraint. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's like dedicating one's life to a to single calligraphy or gesture, sushi to a single gesture. Yeah, like like though. there's a lot of and it, again it's very entertaining for the viewer. I think there's a lot of videos on YouTube of watching videos of craftspeople or chefs doing something really well that they've done millions yeah. of times before. There was a, an article on The Verge, I think, about a chef cooking a steak and just watching him do it and he does it so well and, and that, but, okay you're, ma- you're making a really so, good point which is like you, but you have to you go changing yeah, directions and you have to go through yeah. many stages of boredom of like oh god the same steak again but then you get this <laughs> this tiny idea it's like what if I do the olive oil first and then the butter what if I and, yeah. and like what if I cut it at a slight angle and like you keep thinking and yeah, perfecting yeah. and that's that's you're the opposite right. of entertainment you're making two good points. One is that you need to get bored to have an incremental idea that improves upon something that no one thought could be improved. And the other is that I've been selfishly considering the individual when, uh, you know, you're thinking about how the individual contributes to the yeah. whole. So, like, someone might be inspired by that master um, and go on to make something. Yeah, new. And, and no one um, would have so, noticed yeah. if they were too busy uh, refreshing their feed instead of like, going through stages yeah. of boredom. No, that's true. Yeah. Maybe that's just it. Like, I want to live 10 lives and I only get to live one and I feel depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the same with our podcast. It's the exact same formula every week. We're not like, oh, yeah. this week let's do it on an airplane. And this week uh, let's bring in a, a petting zoo. And this week... I feel like that's, we need to do that to attract more <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, I'm really happy with the, this format of just uh, brainstorming format. every week. Okay, well, that's a good segue into something else I'm happy about, which is that um, our listeners continue to send in field yeah, recordings. Yeah, they're very beautiful. Have, Thank you for all the f- mm-hmm. field recordings. And so we have a field recording here. Do you want to introduce it? Yeah, or? let's read out the email. Uh, Hi, big fan. I just came back from six weeks in Chile, where I used long bus rides up and down the country to listen through the backlog of Good Point. As you were the only constant companion on my travel... I thought I'd send you a field recording from it finish to, to finish the circle. So here's a recording from a living room window of my Santiago flat one evening 
located located in the residential Nunoa in the east of the city. I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation. Probably not. I wanted to record someone rehearsing the piano somewhere in the apartment building and the water hosing outside. Unaware of my recording, temporary flatmate Lewis put on Tartini's Devil's Thrill Sonata, a piece that, as you can hear at the end, was new to me. Um, so this is from Sophie uh, Rigstad. Um, thank you, Sophie. And what a wonderful story uh, of us all having been on a trip together in Chile. Uh, I ha- it sounds like it was a, a really inspiring trip for you. And thanks for sharing uh, this recording with us. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, till next week. Keep sending in your recordings. I guess we're not doing ads anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Buy more mugs. Goodpointpodcast.com. <laughs> we'll just advertise ourselves. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Bye. everyone. Love you. Bye. Oh.